Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell, yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Another weekend is upon us. Another week of wrestling in the books. And I am so glad to join you guys this week. My name's Ryan Drosty. This is episode 108. Of top rope nation and the reason i say that is because i was absent last week for the first time in the history of this podcast justin and kyle carried the weight for me but i'm back i'm ready to talk some pro wrestling with my guys uh justin joint you kind of stepped into the host seat last week you were kind of running the show and uh, i gotta say i think you did a damn good job on short notice nice job nicely done how's your week going uh, thanks, man. I, I'm I'm ready to get back to being unprofessional and uh, maybe get a little drunk on this episode. <laughs> Too nervous last week to do that. Well, well, I, yeah, I didn't want to have my vodka. Uh, I wanted to stay coherent since it was just a one-on-one conversation. So I just had a, in honor of you, I had a Bell's Two-Hearted Ale, and and that was it. That's right. Yeah, it. Uh, super weird for me to edit that show after you guys were done. You know, I still went through as usual, did all the editing, and I listened to the whole thing back as I had to do and just really weird you know fly on the wall but i'm usually in the middle of the conversation to say here you guys on the podcast without me i missed it so i i'm glad i'm here and uh we're all available this week to talk pro wrestling kyle ross over there in cleveland ohio what's going on with you tell you what man you're gone a week you come back with a check mark what a world we <laughs> that's right i did get recently got verified on twitter so you can follow me at ryan drosty that's what the uh, writing gig did for me over at comicbook.com where i've been writing for the last couple of years so thank you, twitter. For thank you twitter that. although i have bashed twitter on this broadcast <laughs> because of our uh our mishaps with our uh podcasting account my personal account 
they're very friendly to me recently so i appreciate that love having the check marks i i haven't really bragged about that on twitter or anything but i was not gonna lie i was pretty excited it's pretty cool so uh yeah good to be back with you guys uh definitely a newsworthy week in the world of pro wrestling we're gonna dive right in but uh as always if you guys are tuning in for the first time or if you've listened to all 108 episodes if you haven't subscribed to us over on Apple Podcasts, please do so. It helps us out. Apple tracks all the subscriptions. will rank higher in the search results. By the way, guys, uh, Apple recently has uh, changed the way they're categorizing podcasts. So there actually is a pro wrestling category now. So the more subscriptions we get like this week, uh, the more ratings we get, the more reviews that are left, it'll help us rank higher. Of course, as always, if you five-star us, if you leave us a review, We'll read it on the air. You can also find us at Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play. TopRopeNation.com is our website. Uh, we're on YouTube, wherever podcasts are found. And uh, as we do each and every week, we are live streaming right now on Patreon, and that is audio and video. So the only way to get that video feed is to subscribe on Patreon. Uh, we've got a $1 tier, a $5 tier, $10, $20. There's benefits to every tier. Uh, but one benefit that you can get just by joining this month and next month is an entry into our drawing where we will be giving away the now sold out because Comic-Con was last week, the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Macho Man Randy Savage Slim Jim themed WWE Elite figure. We're going to be doing that in August. One lucky patron of the show. We'll get that sent to him free of charge. Um, I do have to say also, those of you that subscribed in June, we had the giveaway in June, sent those packages out uh, yesterday. So uh, when this podcast drops on Friday, if I remember right from the delivery estimates, I think most of you will have mail in your mailbox after work today or school or wherever you are. You've got so, mail. Uh, yeah, thanks for subscribing. Hope you guys are enjoying our Patreon page. Uh, you can get exclusive content, like I said, the live stream every week so you effectively get the show before the general public uh you also get our exclusive content top rope nation classics top rope nation extra you can only hear those on patreon and uh you know the more supporters we get the more we can grow this show and uh, continue improving our quality get more guests on the show things like that um all right Let's dive right in, guys. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at our agenda, which also you can see our agenda exclusively on Patreon. Didn't plan on pumping that out there, but it's true. We post our agenda every week on Patreon. And as I look through it, Kyle, topic number one, let's talk business. So we're starting off with AEW announcing their uh, television debut today in a press release uh, October 2nd, Wednesday, October 2nd. They are going to be debuting on TNT. It's a two-hour broadcast, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. Guys, uh, your initial reactions to this one. I'll go to you first, Kyle, since you put this on the agenda. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, we knew it was coming. Um, I think both venue and date are significant. Venue, in the sense that it is the home. It's, it's going to be in D.C. It's the home of the NBA's Wizards and the NHL's Capitals. I think, you know, running a building like that gives the promotion a major league feel, which is something it needs. We, you know, no matter what anyone thinks, you know, looking major league is very important when it comes to attracting casual viewers. And I know there had been some talk on Twitter earlier in the week uh, where people were really surprised the lack of talk uh, about what buildings AEW had booked for the show, uh, with the exception of, quote, it will be NBA sized arenas. So the first one uh, justifies, you know, 
the very little that had been put out before. They're running, um, you know, an arena that, you know, NBA and NHL games are played in. And as far as the date, obviously this is significant because it's two days before WWE SmackDown debuts on Fox. So what a week that's going to be for pro wrestling. Oh, yeah. I think everyone will be talking wrestling that week. So I think it's a great week to debut. Uh, Justin, your initial reactions to the uh, debut date announcement? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't really have any strong feelings, but uh, having just, you know, we're going to have Raw on Monday, AEW on Wednesday, and then that SmackDown debuting on Friday. When the hell are we going to record, guys? <laughs> I thought of that earlier today. Well, yeah, yeah. When SmackDown moves to Friday, it's going to complicate our schedule. I mean, I guess... Yeah, everything's going to be so spread out. There's not really a good time to do it. I mean, we could put a show out on the weekends, but I don't know. You guys can let us know what you think. Send us an email, topropenation at gmail.com or tweet us at topropenation because I think a lot of you... more fan-friendly. Just tell us what you want us to do. (laughs) I mean, a lot of people, I think, listen at work, so I'm not sure how popular like dropping this on the weekend would be, but uh, that is is a discussion we'll have to have. We only have one choice. What's that? Three podcasts a week. (laughs) <laughs> every monday wednesday and friday night <laughs> our lives are over thanks a lot guys we will counter program wrestling observer live <laughs> and these days i don't know man like yeah. i think we rank up there with that program anymore uh yeah my, my initial reactions i did see people talking on twitter about the significance of them running the venue in dc where the last few starcade events were let's hope they put on a uh better show than most of those were but uh oh yeah <laughs> let's think about that like starcade 97 through or 97 through 99 were there or something well, like 99, that? i couldn't remember 2000. when you said that i couldn't remember if 99 went there i know 97 and 98 were and those were the two biggest show, you know no matter what anyone says yeah <laughs> okay those were the two biggest shows in wcw history mm-hmm. now, they both absolutely sucked <laughs> yes. and the main event featured the most knuckleheaded booking in the history of this industry uh, you know, I mean, for all those who thought that the Hogan Sting fiasco couldn't be topped, well, Kevin Nash being Goldberg says hello the following year. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of um, WCW. I don't want to say jokes, but comparisons. I guess it's fair with AEW. You know, a lot of I think we talked about it with Fight for the Fallen, how it kind of felt like one of those summer nitros at Daytona Beach. Yeah, and there's the TNT link, so yeah. So they didn't announce uh, the name of the show yet. Uh, there's been rumors about the Wednesday night and dynamite name because they trademark that. Uh, but no, they haven't officially announced it. So maybe they're still considering a different name. Evidently, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, that that name should be coming out in the weeks ahead. I would hope they would announce it by yeah. all out or at I, all out. So I just want to double double back on something we had talked about months ago on this program. Because long-term booking matters here at Top Rope Nation. Um, do we all still feel that this show, the debut on TNT, more important than All Out? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, are there any advantages that week? We talked about how big that week is going to be in the world of wrestling. Do you guys think there's any advantages to running first, like AEW is on Wednesday, or second, like WWE is uh, on Friday? I don't think it makes a whole lot of difference, to be honest. Um, they ran the following Wednesday. I, I think probably the week. I think it's, if you had to pick, I'd say running it the week of the SmackDown debut, just because the media is going to be talking about wrestling more that week probably than the following week. But uh, what do you think, Justin? 
Uh, I think if AEW actually puts on a really good show, I, I think it could put some added pressure on SmackDown's debut on Fox, more so than really anything else. Yes. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. So um, more will break, of course, in the weeks ahead on that. But that just hit the news wire as we record uh, on Wednesday evening uh, earlier today. The other um, item to talk about, uh, WWE is going to have their quarterly business report, I believe, tomorrow. Yes. Um, So you guys will have already read about that if you're downloading this podcast on Friday morning. uh, If you're on Patreon right now live, we haven't heard it yet. Uh, but, uh, we're talking here in our show notes about the possibility of, uh, WWE announcing the tiered pricing for the WWE network, either here or in the near future. Uh, this, this is the most interesting we have down here, but we're not also going to talk about business and what they might reveal there. But as far as the WWE network tiered pricing stuff goes, I think, They've been talking about this since like 2016, if I remember right. I was doing some research before the show, uh, looking at the different tiers that they had possibly discussed. Now, we don't know for sure what they'll reveal, but I know in the past they had talked about like a free version where you got just very basic content. Uh, they were talking about a 499 version where you got the basic content and like the big four pay-per-views, Rumble, Mania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. Um, also with ads, of course, and then the, the 999 version like we have today, basically presented as it is right now. Um, but then adding a fourth tier at $14.99 a month, probably with expanded content, maybe progress wrestling, certainly evolve, I would think, since they, since they just uh, had the evolve anniversary show on there. Uh, they've also talked about things like um, Hall of Fame voting for the $14.99 tiered members, uh, <laughs> access to tickets early. Uh, all kinds of different perks, guys. Would you be interested in paying more for that that fourteen ninety nine tier, Justin? <laughs> Mister no. uh, Mister, uh, I'm on my WWE boycott in recent weeks. <laughs> yeah, that that Hall of Fame voting thing just that is freaking hilarious. <laughs> hey, it might give it more legitimacy than it has right now, to be honest. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I'm I'm more worried just losing anything that I have with it now. You know, because I'm not going to pay more. I have everything I want from WWE right now from the network. My pay-per-views, I like the specials, and I like going back and watching old uh, pay-per-views and whatnot. So. Yeah, I don't think you're I, likely I, to lose any of that. Yeah, I think yeah. yours will like stay the same. It'd just be the extra stuff. I think they'll probably start carrying more live events, like house shows, too, on the 1499 tier. Kyle? And we, yeah, we've got that the show from Nashville, Smackville, coming up this Saturday. <laughs> what an awful name. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. some of my... Uh, my uh, compadres over at comicbook.com are going to be going to that. That's where headquarters is, by the way. So I'll have to ask them how that show is. It's not good. I mean, why not just call it Smashville? I guess, you know, it's like it's popular. Like Smashville sounds like let's put our spin on the nickname and it just it's kind of cheesy. Um, look, I'm a somebody's got to watch all this content for a podcast. So I guess I'm going to probably pay. I would probably pay the extra five bucks to get. I, to be honest, I really love those live events when they do that. We've talked about that before on the show. It's just, it just feels so different when you get the more stripped down um, entrance way, the different lighting rig. It's just a whole different look. It feels more fresh. Uh, sometimes the performers are more at ease at the house shows. I like that. I'd love to see more house shows on the network. I've always kind of wondered why they don't just do it. Just a couple cameras. They don't have to put like too much into producing those shows and people will tune in. Um, 
as far as evolve and progress and stuff, I have I have subscribed to Progress in the past and their serving uh, their streaming service. I'm not subscribed right now. I probably, to be honest, wouldn't watch that many of their shows just because there's way too much content out there right now. <laughs> but I don't know to have the option. I I'm not gonna lie, I probably would upgrade, but uh, we'll see. No. It. Yeah, this is all about milking more dollars out of the hardcore fan base, right? Yeah, they're, because, they're screwing us over, Kyle. Well, I don't know. I don't know if screwing us over is a fair <laughs> term to say, but like this, there is so much content. Like somebody brought that up. There's so much content on that network. Like, I mean, I've never really been able to deep dive on all like the Jim Crockett TV like I wanted to. Um, for instance, I mean, that's just, there's just not of time Yeah. with, with all the, the current product you got to follow and, you know, there's stuff that we, you know, I want to watch old stuff. So I don't, this is not going to attract more people. I don't think, I, I don't think, you know, evolve is going to make, is, is going to cause any kind of consequential spike in WWE network subscriptions or, no. progress or anything or, or more network specials. Like more is not the only way. And, and I want to talk about this, you know, I mean, obviously we shouldn't speculate too much because we're doing this the night before the actual, you know, um, we'll sound like people. idiots into yeah, so, so yeah so if we say something that turns out to be completely false we can all get, we'll just get laughed at but what is the ceiling for the wwe network do you guys think like what's the number do you think like to me out of the, outside of the promotion just getting really really hot like how close are we to the ceiling right now because there is a rumor out there some have speculated that tomorrow they, and I'll be the one who maybe has egg on my face on this show next week. They are going to announce negative growth with the network for the first time tomorrow. What are, what was their last uh, subscriber count? Like 1.5 million, something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah. So how many people watch Raw? Not the reunion. That That is a kind of, that's a number that's skewed. But how many people watch Raw on a weekly day? What's the number again? Like two point about low twos lately, and that's US. So we're like the one point five is worldwide, right? For their mm -hmm. subscriber count. So I... I don't know. I think I think the ceiling would they hit around two million subscribers? Um, at one point, they're down from that. Um, I believe that included free trials. Yeah, not mistaken. So. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't see them getting any higher than the two million mark right now without another boom period. Um, I've said this before though; you really have to like wrestling though to subscribe to the network. You know, like if you're just a casual person, you're not going to subscribe to it. it. It's sort of like there's sort of like a leap that you have to make where you're like, oh, I really, really like wrestling. I love this. Those of you really, really like wrestling, I just don't think you're going to get this. You no, know, and they they tried they tried to dip into like the other you know stuff like the comedy series and the cartoons and the reality shows. That oh, I think tried to attract people and didn't really work. No, it was all because well, it was all shit. Yeah, <laughs> no offense, it was all complete manure. I actually kind of like. I liked Camp WWE. <laughs> it's a great show. I loved it since the start. Uh, but you know, I just think yeah, short of another boom period, I just I don't think they're going to attract a lot of people right i mean if, if you're a fan it's worth it for the pay-per-views alone yeah. but did, yeah. did, did they put too much on initially was like when they launched this thing and you're just like you get every pay-per-view was that too much 
I always thought they should have get. I always thought they should have had everything except Mania on there right from the start. But I thought giving away Mania right away might have been a mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, But what do you think, Justin? Um, I actually, I was going to point to uh, the other thing they have on their hands is that we are really heading towards a streaming wars with uh, basically every company with content Mm -hmm. starting their own streaming, like Apple and Warner Brothers. I mean they're they're going to be uh fighting for people's money you know not just rest for wrestling content yeah and that's the thing it's you know vince can say oh we have comedy we have action he can say all that bullshit the bottom line is it's wrestling okay unless if you like wrestling you're not getting this and you have to really really like i don't think it's just a case of oh i like wwe i'll watch it when it's on it's i'm going to pay for this and i want to watch pro wrestling X amount of times per week. You know, I mean, when you think about it, there's enough, I mean, five hours of first run wrestling on television is a lot for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So like then asking, hey, pay $9.99 more a month. Okay, you get these pay-per-views, but the promotion's not hot right now. So these are people who probably wouldn't be buying the pay-per-views anyway. And, and oh, you get these archives. Like people are just gonna be like, you know, I don't have the time. Who doesn't have time to turn on the old Coliseum videos? I look, no, look. <laughs> I would like to say for the record, I think people would know this. It goes, I'm saying that doesn't apply to me. All right, I love pro wrestling. Like, I mean, trust me. I mean, like, the, I don't give a shit if it's nine ninety nine or fourteen. I'm going to pay for it. I like it. You know. Yeah. I mean, other than wrestling and sports, I don't watch a lot <laughs> of other stuff, so it's fine for me. But there are people who have a broader scope of interests than I do. Yeah. Anyone listening to this podcast, you know, are probably subscribers or have been at some point. If you're into wrestling enough to be listening to wrestling podcasts, of course, you're you're the yeah. target demographic that is, is going to subscribe. And they're hoping you buck up a little bit more money and get to that $14.99 tier. But, uh, yeah, we shall see. Yeah, you, you make a good point. The general public, it is a harder sell. Uh, in regards to the streaming wars and stuff. To WWE's credit, they launched this thing early enough that they yeah. have, you know, a dedicated following. If they were launching right now, it'd be a lot harder. But they launched this thing, what, five and a half years ago? So timing's on their side to, like, sustain mm-hmm. their That's subscribers true. for sure. Um, I do think, and I, there's been some talk about this with, like, the $14.99 tier. They do need to do some stuff for people that have subscribed for a long and i'm not just saying it just because it's me but like for people that have been loyal subscribers for five plus years they do they should do something for those people i remember at one time um early on i think it was after they'd been up for like a year they sent out like wwe shop coupons or like gift cards to people now i never got one but some people got like 20 or 25 bucks free for being like a one-year subscriber not everyone got them oh yeah you didn't get it either i i did not get it but i remember seeing like a post on reddit or something where a lot of people are you know getting a free t-shirt or something but they should do that a lot more often you look at these subscribers that have been subscribed for over five years i mean just they could give away like simple stuff that wouldn't really like hurt their bottom line at all like extra shit they have laying around like oh look we got extra programs from the royal rumble we're gonna mail those out to some people randomly you know stuff like that and yeah they would love that you guys remember back in uh like the 90s when you would order a pay-per-view and you could send in your cable bill and they'd like send you a free gift you guys ever do that i never did remember the fan club (laughs) yeah yeah the the cassette tape (laughs) of the entrances oh yeah i have a 1997 
WWF Royal Rumble like baseball cap around here somewhere because it was from sending in my cable bill from a pay-per-view that year. Like they just leftover stuff they had from the events. And that wouldn't that wouldn't cost them any money. The stuff's already made. And you know, people like that kind of stuff. So I I do think they need to uh dip into that. And I bet that might be a benefit of a 1499 tier, but uh we shall see. Remember when they told kids to write in to get well Matilda just so they could build up their mailing list? I missed that. <laughs> I missed that yes. Vince McMahon. <laughs> That's the Vince McMahon I want back. You know what this Vince McMahon that brings back the uh, 30 plus quote unquote legends for Monday Night Raw, Kyle Ross? Let's get into oh. it. Oh, hold on. One, I just have one more question. Okay. I don't know if you guys have had time yet, um, but have you been on the network today? No, but I did see that they're launching like a, a re Dude. revamped one this week. Yeah, redesign apparently with better navigation. Some people, I guess, have already seen it. I didn't. I checked it again right before we went on the air and same I, old. I have it on right now and it looks the same to me, but it okay. keeps it. I, I don't know. Maybe it's my internet, but it's uh, stopping too. So I don't know. If, I don't know. So you're supposed to like when you get it, it said like it'll prompt you to sign in again. Um, yeah. So you're on PS4, I'm guessing, Justin. Correct. What service do you use, Kyle? Roku. Okay, I usually use Roku too, so it hasn't hasn't hit those services yet as of Wednesday night. I don't have the navigation issues a lot of people complain about. Ryan, you said you use Roku. Do you like? I some people are like all oh, this stupid network. It's I never really have any issues. I kind of know what I'm looking for usually, but yeah, I think it's I think it's easy to find stuff. I think their search is terrible though. It is if you're actually using search to find something, it doesn't work very well. But I like you, I usually know what I'm looking for, so I don't use the search function. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were just gonna jump on there and you know search Bret Hart promo or something like that, like it would be it's difficult to find stuff mm-hmm. that way. So I actually I have navigation problems when I uh use it through our smart TV, but mm-hmm. not with the PS4. Yeah, the PS4, I I use that on there. I used to use that on there more. Uh, the PS4 layout is a lot more slick than the Roku layout. Like the Roku layout's pretty basic compared to the PS4 one. You know what? Our my old I used to have it on a smart TV in the basement before we changed TVs, and that did have some navigation issues. Actually, now that you mention it, yeah. Okay, Raw reunion Monday night. Uh, we were talking on text during the show. Kyle, you didn't have a lot positive to say about the show. Nope. <laughs> Looking at our. Uh, our show oh, notes here, quote, did this show succeed on any level? You should see my individual show notes that I started putting oh, down more detail right before we went on the air when I wanted to really make sure I had everything down. Um, okay. It would be unfair to say the show was a failure at every level. Oh, well, it, it popped a rating. I mean, highest yeah. rating in like the, uh, over a year, I think. Yeah, so. since, since uh, uh, what, around the night after Mania. It was the night after Mania, Mania 2018. Yep. Yeah. Now... You know, and, and we, we expected a big rating because that Raw 25 did a big rating, bigger rating than this. So, okay, so on that level, it did succeed. But so it'd be unfair to say it's a failure at every level, but I don't think it succeeded on any level other than the one week popping a rating. But here's the issue, folks, and let's start getting into them one by one. For the lapsed fan, and again, this is hard for us to say because we're not, you know, we're, we cover this every week. but. If you're a Laps fan, were you satisfied with what you got from the Legends on this show? For me, there were so many non-important Legends brought back. 
Dave Meltzer was right in that regard. I know a lot of people gave me because Meltzer was right in the Observer last week. Too many legends. There's going to be too many. They're going to have to write too many skits for all these guys. People are like, oh, Meltzer, you know, get off your high horse. He's right. Like, it just kind of watered, you know, bringing people like, you know, Candace Michelle back, bless her soul. It just kind of waters the whole idea down. Yeah. And I know people are going to jump on me because I brought up a woman. So now I'm, you know, should be put out the pasture and killed. But, um, you know, <laughs> direct all hate mail to at TRP Kyle on Twitter. Okay. I mean, Santino Morella didn't exactly have me jump through the roof either. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, none save for Austin felt like a very big deal here. The the 24 7 stuff, this is my opinion. Of course, I can't speak for a Laps fan. Uh, but the 24 7 stuff was an okay use of the Legends, I think. But if you are a Laps fan, again, maybe I'm projecting. Is it a case of, oh, they're still doing the hardcore title? Yeah, I think Laps fans probably found that mildly amusing, but I don't think there was a lot, you know, like when the when the legends go away next week, I don't I don't think they really gave them a reason to tune back in. <laughs> nope. At uh, all. So yeah. I mean, it just felt like again, and Raw 25 was kind of like this too, because they have all these legends brought back. It just felt like old people taking their turn walking on the screen getting their token reaction from the crowd, saying their catchphrase, and leaving. And there was nothing to it. It was like, here's the Godfather, and he's still happy about the hoe train. And <laughs> there's the Godfather, he's gone. Like, Which it was in 2019 like, is awkward to, uh, yeah. <laughs> to try to write around, yes. Um, you know, the, the crowd did finish the phrase for him. But, you know, I just think that, like, there was just nothing of substance. There are a few legends that I think deserve some kudos. Booker T., Showed why he should be back on Raw every week. Christian also was on commentary. And Mick Foley. Um, because here's a novel concept, sports fans. They actually all tried putting over the current product. Booker yeah. T and Christian, if you listen to him on commentary, were putting over. Christian, bless his, so what a peach this guy's been. One of the real underrated wrestlers in WWE history. This guy actually had the balls to say all oh, these Viking Raiders have if I was around, Zad, want no part of these guys. Praise be Allah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Christian, thank you so much for all that you do for the sport of professional wrestling. Um, Cena did a good job firing up the crowd early. I know that there was a lot of people who took umbrage with the DUI joke with the Usos. Um, DX was been there, done that. You know, oh, yeah. I, I did them freezing out Seth from the hug made me laugh, though. Uh, Hogan and Flair were shockingly not a big deal, completely dwarfed by Steve Austin. Alundra Blaze was cringeworthy. Um, I, the the freaking trash can thing. How many people? <laughs> Everyone was tweeting about that before it happened. It, that was so obvious they were going to do that. But how many people under the age of 25 know what the hell that is? Well, yeah, that's true. I guess if they watched the Hall of Fame <laughs> a few yeah. years ago, but otherwise probably not. Yeah, she wasn't. She wasn't very good. I thought Steve Austin was very good. What yes. do you think of Steve Austin? Yes. So yeah. the one thing, the one comment I got from a Laps fan friend of mine, he's like, "Yeah, I was watching these clips. It looked kind of stupid." But he's like, "He's like Steve Austin looked jacked." Yeah, and he did. I mean, he looked ready to go, and I mean, he really did. Like, just completely dwarf the reaction for both Hogan and Flair in that segment. Can you imagine if they would have sent Hogan out last after Austin? <laughs> that would have been such, especially being in uh, Tampa, you know, like I could have seen him doing it. That would have been a huge mistake. Thankfully, yeah. they didn't do that. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what. 
Did you see the reaction the Hulkster, the nonverbal reaction the Hulkster appeared to be getting from some of his fellow legends standing behind him? Yeah, some glares. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that. Sean was kind of glaring at him a little bit. Hunter, Hooker. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Uh, what'd you make of the legends, Justin? You're kind of quiet over there watching. I'm, I'm guessing you're watching the deep dive of the week, which is on our agenda later in the show. No, <laughs> <laughs> caught red-handed. Um, you, as you guys know, I'm on a partial strike. I will go back and watch anything that I think sounds interesting or good. Um, but one way for them to ensure I do not watch Raw is for them to do a reunion show because they they've never done them well, and I know what these old timers or legends are coming back for. And, uh, it's just kind of self masturbation. Um, is there any so, other masturbation? That's yeah. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I was like, you know, that, you know, that. I mean, technically feels like a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> Sit on your hand for a while. Yeah. The straight that nothing makes, nothing gets a guaranteed Justin, laugh out of Justin me. Like stranger. Some, <laughs> Justin spends some time at, uh, this weird movie theater in a dark alley. So I, I don't know what goes on in there, but, <laughs> but uh, so the, the only thing I watched uh, was uh, Bray Wyatt. That was the only thing that sounded interesting to me. So that is why I'm quiet. Cause yeah. I knew that was going to be a shit show. At least for me personally, that is not my cup of tea. Yeah. I, I, to me, the highlight was again, Austin. I thought Austin was great. He sold the thing about like everyone in WWE, all the fans being a big family. And it was just kind of a cool moment. He was great on the mic and, uh, an unironic kumbaya kind of promo from Austin. Yes. With no guitar in hand. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to his ironic, uh, kumbaya promos in 2001. I don't, was that what the people wanted though? Like Steve Austin, you know, doing "We Are the Family," basically. I don't, you know. No, they seem to be into it. Didn't yeah, they, they were. Lie? They were. I mean, look. I mean, when you watch someone like him and the way he can like just react to a crowd, like you know, he kept telling them to give him a hell yeah because he wanted. He he sensed the first one. It's like these people aren't fired up enough. I'm going to get them more fired up. Mm -hmm. That is the kind of promo ability that is just completely absent in 2019. Yes, agreed, hundred percent. And it's not all the performers' fault because they're just so scripted, word for word. But he here's a guy who understands, you know, can think on his feet, and is like, no, got to get the crowd fat, got to got got to get the crowd hotter, got to get them hotter, got to keep telling them to say hell yeah. Steve yeah. Austin, what a man! <laughs> but I, I wanted to hit on something you said, Ryan, moments ago. Okay, because this is the key, and where I think this show truly failed. Going back to the lapsed fan, okay, again, it's, hy it's hypothetical because we're not lapsed fans, but was there anything here for the lapsed fan that would make them want to resume tuning in to WWE programming on a regular or semi-regular basis? And to me, I think the answer is a pretty clear no. Well, I mean, I got to say, they didn't give them any reason to think the club are a big deal because... <laughs> <laughs> that segment was I mean, terrible. Like they just so back mean. down to all these old guys. Come on. This is your this is your hot new staple. And they just got completely punked out by all these guys north of 50. Come on. That was bad. What did you think of that, Kyle? One good. And I mean, I mean, I heard a Kyle Ross. That's bad in my head when that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> the problem was by that point, I had already run out of them. <laughs> like I was just like I was like I knew, you know, when Hunter and Sean came out to back up Seth, 
I knew, you know, Road Dog was going to come out, and X-Pac and Nat Hall and Nash. So, you know, Seth Rollins is apparently the new Just Incredible of the group. But uh, <laughs> Is he well, in the click or is he not? I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. And by the way, we will be talking about Seth Rollins momentarily. We'll be focusing on him because, ooh, is there a good discussion to be had there? Um, the bottom line is this. The presentation of the modern product was just filler in a nostalgia show. Like, this show didn't really know what it wanted to be. Was it a nostalgia show? Was it, you know, the people were kind of tuning in for nostalgia. And for those people, not only did the modern product probably not entice them to watch anything, you know, down, you know, in the future, it probably just annoyed them and got in the way. Yeah. It, it, it was literally presented as sort of like, all right, well, we've got to do, you know, it was based, like, if you're a Laps fan, again, would love to hear from one of you. Um, you're probably like, oh, what is this shitty match with these current guys they're doing right now? I don't want to see this. Yeah. And so, it, again, it just that's what happens when you have too many of these legends. If you have, like, to me, if you want to do something with a legend, you should just bring, like, one back. Not every week, obviously, or even every month. But, like, if you just hype Steve Austin is going to be on the show for a couple weeks, Steve Austin returns to Raw, and he is involved in a meaningful segment, maybe interaction with someone, you know, a current star and maybe gives them the rub, then that's good. But this is just like, let's just trot a bunch of people out and nothing happens. Not one major angle was done on this show, despite the fact it's probably going to be, it pro I mean, it almost certainly will be their biggest audience for any TV show they have the first nine months of the year. Um, we'll see what happens when SmackDown goes to Fox. You know, and, and remember, I know WrestleMania is a fly-in crowd now, but this Raw was in Tampa. Where's WrestleMania at, folks? Mm -hmm. Tampa. You, you don't do one angle for the, you know, the look. You know, hey, you remember this started in Tampa and it ends in Tampa. To me, I don't know what John Cena's status is. Why not shoot his Mania angle here? Yeah. Why not have somebody lay John Cena out? Remember what happened the last time you were in Tampa, John? Mm -hmm. I mean, is this stuff hard? I don't think it is. And the one legend, the one legend modern performer interaction, everyone thought was a lot. Justin, we talked about it last week on the show. Austin and Kaya didn't happen because inexplicably they decide this week they're going to run a Monday house show and put Kevin Owens on that. <laughs> Which, of all the nights to have the Monday yeah, house show. Yeah. And that brings me to my next question for you guys. Did WWE really want to do this reunion show? It, well, it sounds like it was USA's idea. So, yeah. and USA was proud of it because they replayed this piece twice. <laughs> twice. Yeah, the next morning I saw it on again. I was yeah. shocked when I saw it on the next morning. So, what cable provider do you guys have? I, I think we've talked about this. Before. I have, I have uh, YouTube TV, so I okay, just stream. Yeah. Yeah. Justin, uh, Comcast. Okay, you have a little cable. Okay, I don't know if you guys read this, but it, I have Sling, and on the description for Raw, when I got ready to watch it, it said. You know, legends reunite for quote the biggest Raw of the year, and that's put out by the network, right? That's not put out by WWE. That's so, so USA was like really big about this. And before we dog on them for it, I mean, they don't know how to book a wrestling promotion. USA, I mean, they've had WWE forever, but they don't know how to book a wrestling. And they're, they look at last year. Oh well, what popped a rating? A legend show. So that's of course they're going to come up with this idea. Yeah. Well, I, I do think um, 
for anyone tuning in that was a lapsed fan that hasn't been watching, I thought Sami Zayn was good. Uh, I thought they should have had Sami Zayn do more. I thought they they could have had him ripping a different legend almost every segment because he was good. And I think I think some lapsed fans probably took note of him that this was an entertaining guy. Interesting. On that note, the you know the ripping the legends throughout the program was really used as a heel trope by Sammy, by Samoa Joe, Drew McIntyre. So it's it's funny that they had their heels ripping the legends for heat. You know, it, it was like, oh, you, you know. So it's like, it's a negative thing to not want these legends. Is kind of what WWE was telling the audience. Yeah. And the heels are like, to me, you want to build a... Remember the Attitude Era? These guys would have, like Steve Austin would have come out and said, all you old timers, get the hell out of here before I kick your ass. You all stink. I would have whooped you. I'd uh, whoop you in your prime. I'll whoop you right now. But no, we don't want to do that. All the modern people are filler. Sad. 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 Justin, did you have a thought? I think I cut you off a second ago. Nope. <clears throat> I just really liked uh, Sami Zayn and uh, Samoa Joe's promos. Yeah, uh, having read, and then uh, Sami Zayn had a terrific tweet too that you should go check out. I don't know if I saw that one. What can you paraphrase what it said? I'll find it. I know. Okay, well, while you're looking that up, I I thought uh, SmackDown was a pretty decent show. Um, it, it built, well, unlike Raw, it actually built the SummerSlam. Yeah, a, a major show that is taking place a couple weeks. I, I will say this: Austin was. Obviously, we've all beaten that to the ground. He was probably the highlight of the show, certainly as the legends are concerned. Uh, although RVD obviously being stoned was a close second for me. Uh, and, then, and then the Bray Wyatt thing laying out Mick Foley was very good. Like how he did the Mandible Claw, people were pointing out Mick probably couldn't bump, and that's why he didn't take Sister Abigail. But I thought it was a nice touch anyway. Yeah. With Sister Abigail. Um, so I, I found that tweet. Uh, uh, Sami Zayn said, Raw reunion was a joke. If I'm still hanging on to this business years after I'm done, you can punch me in the face. Like most great artists, I am vastly underappreciated in my own time. You have me now and you're blowing it. Too busy missing quote unquote glory days that actually sucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Sammy's awesome. We don't deserve Sammy Zane. So good. He's uh, got in the water right now, man. That. Mm. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I thought I thought SmackDown did a good job selling a couple of angles, but I thought I thought the Kofi Orton thing was absolutely phenomenal. Got to give Randy Orton credit in recent weeks. We've been hard on him in, on the show and in the past at different times, but he's been pretty good in recent weeks. His Twitter usage has also gotten better. I must say, we used to we used to rip on him on Twitter, but uh, I thought I thought that was great. It seems like it's very rare for WWE to do long term storytelling these days. So Is to call back the I... match they had in two thousand and nine on Raw, I thought that was really good. I like I like the long term storytelling and and then how they turned that into Orton was holding back Kofi all these years, and I I thought the promo was excellent and. Uh, as long as Kofi retains, I think I think uh, this is a good program for SummerSlam. Go ahead, Kyle. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump in. Is it too inside, though? Like this whole, like, hey, we had a feud 11 years ago, and you held me back. Well, I mean, they showed the footage, so I don't think yeah. so. I mean, okay. if they wouldn't have showed the footage, yes. But they, they showed, like, the table spot at the Garden. Um I, Yeah, I, I just thought it was a really good storytelling. So uh, if, for as much... Say- Orton saying yes, I did hold you back was absolutely outstanding. <laughs> yeah. 
was a good promo. Um, we had the uh, interaction with Shawn Michaels, who was supposed to be on guest commentary, which they promoted. And then all of a sudden, as the show started, they changed that to uh, he was going to be on Miz TV. And the, he comes out, is, ends up with this confrontation with uh, Dolph Ziggler, who, uh, as we've talked about before, Ziggler has uh, basically made a career out of cosplaying as Shawn Michaels. <laughs> and uh, as I wrote on Twitter, this is probably what he's been dreaming of his entire WWE career, giving the super kick to Shawn Michaels. Which, yeah, but I thought I thought that was a good segment, though. I mean, everyone talks about how he rips off Shawn Michaels all the time. So to have that interaction for Shawn to call him out on it on TV and the super kick finish, you know, it was pretty good. It wasn't as good as Kofi Wharton, but I enjoyed that segment. The only issue I have with the Dolph segment is Dolph being on TV. <laughs> because I don't I, like so segment segments should lead to something, right? And if Dolph being on TV leads to Dolph being on more TV, I don't like it. I'm sorry. He just he should be gone. If there's one person, the WWE should like, oh, it's Dolph Ziggler. Well, I, I thought he would go on hiatus after his recent that, feud with Kofi. Well, that and Remember, he got squashed in 17 seconds. Like, yeah, you know, that's why I thought it, he was gone. <laughs> and so it's like, it, it, so to me, it's like we're supposed to take this guy seriously, or, or are we supposed to forget about that? That's just bad. Um, one note on Orton Kofi. The only issue, and Justin and I went into this last week, breaking down the top of the the what, what appears to be the top of the the SummerSlam card. The issue with some of these matches is that I don't buy any of the challengers winning the major titles, this includes Randy Orton. And I don't think it's a good idea for them to like, I, I like, you know, you, you have the caveat, this is good provided Kofi wins. I mean, there's just like, it's one of those deals where it's like, yeah, Kofi better win. Cause like the, the alternative, just don't do it for me in 2019. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would hope that they would have Kofi retain, but we shall see. But uh, no, I just I had to give them credit because we always talk about how like they don't have long term vision and they usually don't. So to call out this this match for November, 20, November 16th of 2009, not something that they usually do. And uh, I think it's more retconning, though, than long term booking. I, I, I seriously doubt Vincent K when they were doing Kofi and. Uh, no, I mean, I, yeah, high. maybe that's the wrong term. But to, to actually bring in stuff from the past like that, that was 10 years ago. You know, it's not, that's also not something that they usually do. So, I mean, that wasn't the original intention in 2009, of course, but to play (laughs) that into the storytelling today, it becomes long-term storytelling. Who knows? Maybe Vincent K was like, you know, guys, let's hold Kofi back for now. In about 11 years, he will truly get over and be at the top of the card and we can do this. So, yeah, again, I I thought, uh, thought Orton was good and uh, had the good line about how, you know, just being Randy Orton was good enough for him to get ahead. He didn't have to fake a Jamaican accent or shake his ass or throw pancakes. That was funny. I just have to be Randy Orton, or I just had to be Randy Orton, he said. But uh, good segment. To me, that was the highlight of SmackDown. Um, do you have any thoughts on SmackDown, Justin Joint? Uh, no, I didn't mind all those segments. And uh, uh, I'm enjoying, as much as it feels like a watered-down version of Austin McMahon from the heyday. Uh, I th- Kevin Owens is getting a good reaction, which I like to see. Yeah. Now, I don't like that they continue to lead off with Shane McMahon, though. I mean, like, 
he comes out at the start of the show again. It's, it's just getting so, so old. Um, I know they got to do this thing with Kevin Owens, but I, I had hoped Roman. after the last pay-per-view we'd be done with Shane McMahon for a while. <laughs> or Roman. Is Roman ever going to get his win back on Shane? Or is he going to be like the third person down the line to pin Shane? Yeah. Like after, because Lord knows the under the 82 year old undertaker, you know, had to step in front of him to pin Shane for no reason, even though Shane was feuding with every, you know, half the baby face regulars on the roster, but we're going to have undertaker pin him. Mm, don't understand that. We haven't gotten to the low point of SmackDown though. Which Is this I, the Charlotte Flair rant you got coming? <sighs> this just absolutely burned my ass. This whole scenario. It's like they're doing all this stuff. Okay, there's a lot going on, and no one is better for it when all is said and done. Let's talk about Charlotte Flair, okay? So over the weekend, they announced the Charlotte Ember Moon match, okay? And when it was announced, did you guys think, okay, Charlotte's going to win, and they're going to make it a triple threat at SummerSlam? Did that thought cross your mind? Yes. yes. Okay, mine too. Um, And then I was like, man, maybe that's like too obvious, and maybe they actually, God forbid, have Ember, who Justin and I talked about last week, kind of a cold challenger of the month type deal. You know, it's not like she's been built up well over the long term. It was kind of just, oh, okay, Ember Moon's number one contender now because we need someone to challenge Bailey because she's elevating this division, of course, as she's so eloquently puts it. Um, so I was like, maybe, you know, that would be a great way to kind of get Ember some cachet. Have her, you know, have a good match with Charlotte and pin her on TV. Well, they didn't do that. They instead do the banana peel finish. Okay, with like it was like a just a total like blink and you'll miss an affair. Bailey comes out, Charlotte, of course, distracted by entrance music as everyone is in WWE these days. Stops wrestling, gets pinned, and then Ember throws Bailey in the ring, who Charlotte beat, beats up, and then Ember gets the eclipse to Charlotte. So Ember does stay on Paul at the end of the segment, but I don't think it did as well for her. It's, it's still fluky. She doesn't look strong, really. No, yeah, you're right, and that. And then, to top it all off, we then do a, a promo with Charlotte Flair later, where she basically buries the SmackDown Women's title and says, "I, you know, I'm too good for that. I want a bigger match. And it's being reported it's going to be Trish Stratus and Charlotte. Okay, not a terrible life. I've heard worse ideas. Um, don't know why you wouldn't shoot that angle, though, at Raw Reunion. Yeah, <laughs> just just thinking, you know, that, because now we all know what's coming. Yeah. Like, wouldn't it have been better as a surprise at Raw reunion? Just, you know, and and then we didn't need to have Charlotte interjected into the title situation. Ember Moon could have just beat somebody and look else and look strong uh, in the process. Here's my thing with the Charlotte Trish thing. Okay, over on Raw, you've got a match where you're having someone who's presumably, or not presumably, is going to be played up as the Canadian, you know. Returning home, you know, Natty. Are the Canadians going 0 2 on this show? Because that defeats the whole purpose of doing the local, you know, getting the crowd behind the local favorite yeah. to have them both lose. Because there is zero justification to have Natty beat Becky or Trish beat Charlotte in 2019. Right. So, what, what are we doing? You know what they should have done? If they're going to have Trish wrestle, they should have had her wrestle Bliss because they were going to do that match like a year ago and then Alexa got hurt. Alexa can lose that match as a heel if they want a Canadian to go over. 
uh, doesn't really hurt her like it would. You know, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think Charlotte should be losing to Trish Stratus. Uh, I think they could get away with Trish Stratus beating Alexa Bliss, and she'd be thrilled to be in there with Trish. She's talked about that, so maybe that would have been a better use for Trish Stratus than Charlotte Flair. I just, I just don't understand the doubling up. We're going to have two people, you know, fighting for Canadian pride, two women fighting for ca Canadian pride, and they're both presumably going to lose. Right. Yeah. And, and it, you know, Justin and I talked about this last week. What is this situation exactly doing for Becky Lynch, who is allegedly your top baby face in the women's division? Like, she's going to beat the Canadian. Is that going to cause resentment? I mean, maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but I just I don't understand any of this. Well, uh, Becky Lynch has been dying a slow death ever since they made her a starry-eyed lover on TV every week. Oh, uh, well, not as bad as the boyfriend. <laughs> Both of them are dying a slow death. I'm Did sorry. She, Neither I of thought, them have been interesting. In I, thought, I, I thought she cut a nice promo. Again, because she was able to channel the Ronda feud, which is when she was doing her best work. Becky, I, I thought that was a strong promo opposite Natty, but then again, you know... Just like, you know, Beto O'Rourke looking good at opposite Ted Cruz. Of course he does. But, um, <laughs> hey, I mean, Ted Cruz is a champion debater, though. Got to hand it to the guy. He's not an easy guy to debate. Not that this is our politics podca podcast, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean optically. That <laughs> look says it all. <laughs> I, hey, I'm not a Ted Cruz fan. I'm just saying he has, he has, he has, he has some history. On the debate stage. No, no Billy Gunn. <laughs> yes. Both are ass men, though. Um, no opponent for Roman Reigns. Alleged building block of this company for SummerSlam. What do we make of that? Oh, Roman I, thought, I thought everything with Roman Reigns lately has been bizarre. I thought it was... Uh, now, they worked their way around it, but when they announced Kevin Owens was going to wrestle Roman Reigns on SmackDown, Owens is like their hot new face they're pushing. Against oh, against Reigns, the guy who they've continually screwed over with their booking, and then they book that. Also doing him no favors. I mean, Jesus. What they wound up okay. I, they I wound really, up okay, but I, that, that was my initial thought. Yeah, me too. I was like, why are they booking this match? Like, it's kind of like hurting... I mean, I know that they were doing the gimmick with, you know, the heel timekeeper rep and announcer, but, and then I liked how KO and Roman just were like, they just put their, they're like, wait a minute, why are we wrestling? Let's just beat the shit out of these three. Like, I did like that because they don't do that enough. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I, you know, Roman Reigns, who, you know, according to some corners, you know, all pushed down our throats. Oh, it's all about Roman. Second biggest, second, third biggest show of the year. Guy, two weeks out. Guy's got no opponent for SummerSlam. Yep. <laughs> and, and and it's just coming off a of pay-per-view where he played second fiddle to the 82-year-old Undertaker who got the pin on Shane when Roman Reigns had just lost to him. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked mm. in that one, right? Yeah, with my mm. Wrestle Rumble pick. We talked about Wrestle Rumble and the predictions and stuff. Mm. Thought for sure Reigns would have got the pin in that match. That was bizarre. Mm. But uh yeah, Roman Reigns. As has been the story the last couple of years, done no favors by the booking committee, and not sure the booking committee is even thinking about him right now. So we'll see where he ends up at SummerSlam. But uh, just just around the horn, what is your interest in this card as it stands right now? And Kyle giving the big thumbs down on the video screen. I, there's positives. There is positives. I do like that they have shaken it up a little bit. I mean, we do talk about how WWE has been so predictable. At least they're bringing in new challengers in the women's division. You know, whether you buy Natty as a challenger or not, or Ember as a challenger, at least it's something new. I got to give them that. Look, I like Ember a lot. I, the Eclipse is such a great finish. Oh, yeah. But 
she just has a big bull and Maddie, I just oh. Yeah, Kyle, you sent the text message the other day. I'm gonna look at it here. Oh um, what did I send? Was I drunk when I sent this? I don't think so. Okay. Oh, it was a tweet and it was about this the SummerSlam card. And I just lost it. Hold on. Oh yeah, because somebody's like somebody tweeted the SummerSlam card and with the fire emoji. I Yeah. And I, I said I like I like the middle of the card. Um now well, what what have we seen on the last two WWE pay-per-views, guys? Extreme rules and um the the won't the silly name, stomping ground. <laughs> Undercard overachieved. Things grind to a halt at the top of the card, and we're gonna we're about ready to talk about a certain someone at the top of the card momentarily. Yeah. I know. I, I just to me, those there is nothing on this show that indicates second or third biggest show of the year. Like, yeah, I, I almost wonder. I have no you, is are, is that any kind of tanking? Maybe before the fall, that when they ramp it up in the fall for this Fox debut. Oh, I don't know, but I mean that would be business malpractice i would think but. well i mean when i say tanky i mean are they just sort of like going through the moat like are they saving all their big angles for the fall which because usually you know it's funny because you know me I, football takes up so much time you know in my work life in in the fall season and it's great because you know wrestling kind of in the fall you know with their opposite football they sort of phone it in then but they can't do that this year yeah not with this not being on Fox and with this AEW, I mean, I wonder if they're just saving a lot of their big stuff from fall this year. And they just kind of said, fuck it with the summer. Because <laughs> nothing says fuck it like having Natty Neidhart challenge for the, in a big title match. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be. We'll see. But I, I do think the middle of the card, you look at the Nakamura Ali match. I think the Ali promos, the videos have been great. Supposedly, yeah. he's scripting those or helping script those. Those have been really good. I'm looking forward to that match. Uh, I'm looking forward to Styles Ricochet again. Um, Balor Wyatt will be interesting. I want to, be, I want to bring uh, Justin in on this um, because Balor, as you guys talked about last week, he's going on the hiatus after SummerSlam. Uh, presumably I would think, you know, you've got the demon against the new Bray Wyatt, um, Justin. So how do you book Finn Balor in this match? What, what would you do if you were WWE's booking committee? How would you book this? And then his return? Well, I'm kind of bummed because I, I really want it to be the demon versus the fiend. But the last rumor I saw was that that is not the plan. That's just going to be regular old, uh, Finn Balor. Um, but I would, I would do the demon have a semi-competitive match and a hundred percent. You got to have Bray Wyatt win. Mm -hmm. uh, and if it's just regular old Finn, I, I think it needs to be a squash match. I think you got uh, Bray Wyatt is by far and away for me, the most interesting thing on TV right now. Um, they have somehow, or I, I should say Bray Wyatt has somehow rejuvenated himself after we said this last week that we probably kind of thought he was dead in the water a year ago. Um, so now it's time for them to actually do what we all thought they were going to do with him from the beginning before he started, you know, being a jobber to the stars. Yeah. So do you bring Balor back as a heel then after he's gone a couple months? Uh, yeah, sure. I'd be all right with that. I think, I think it'd definitely freshen him up a little bit. Yeah. And I think the loss too would, uh, justify the heel turn, especially, I think you do. I agree with you. I think you do it as the demon. It's the first loss, you know, for the demon. Uh, it puts main over roster. Bray. Yeah, main roster. Puts over Bray in a big way. And then you got 
him just pissed that he lost as the demon when he comes back and does the heel turn finally. And he so. can be in the OC. That's right. Welcome to the OC, bitch. Yeah, it'd be his realization that that you know normally he can turn to the demon, to, you know, to conquer the mountain that he's facing or whatever. But uh, Bray Wyatt stomping the hell out of the demon would maybe make Finn realize that demon's not enough. He needs more. Yeah, that's true. He's the club. Yes, he does. He would be great with that, I think. So, and then the top of the card, of course, and I am not interested in this match in the slightest. Brock and Seth again. Here we go. Here it is, Kyle. How oh. the mighty have fallen. Seth oh Rollins. my God. Back to the I, look. I know you guys don't want to talk bad about your fellow Iowan. Is that is that what it is? An Iowan? Yes, it is Iowa? Iowan. Okay. Yes. Yeah, but back to the field of dreams for this guy, pal. I mean, <laughs> okay, hit the soup line, Seth. I mean, look, what is it? Or is it all the or is it a combination of all these factors? Is it him? Twitter.com, bad booking, the Becky storyline, which I know Ryan Drosty, you're going to freaking do a victory lap on. <laughs> or like I said, all the above. Because, whew, am I not feeling Seth Rollins right now? And I, I want you guys to answer that because then I want to, during the week, I thought of a conversation I had. I actually, I talked to my, a buddy of mine, um, and we kind of revisited a conversation we had about Seth from two years ago. And I want to bring that up. I mean, it's, it's bad booking and you can insert the uh, Becky Lynch storyline into the bad booking. It, you know, obviously it hasn't done anything for either one of them, but you know, he comes out of WrestleMania and you put him in a feud with Baron Corbin, who, while I like him as a talent, I think he has a lot of uh, X-Pac heat with a lot of the fans and it just kind of kill any momentum he had coming out of WrestleMania. And part of it, I think, is like, especially after Brock won the money in the bank, a lot of people are just was waiting for that cash in. And uh, frankly, with Roman Reigns, you know, being able to go from brand to brand, um, he still feels like a number two guy. Mm-hmm. Hit the nail on the head. Agree with everything you said. I think, I think it's the booking. First and foremost, even more than the Becky pairing, which, as you said, Kyle, I was negative on from the start, and that has proved to be not the best for either of them. But it, it yeah. hurt him more, hasn't it? Doesn't it feel like, I mean, well, you can talk like Becky kind of had the same thing where she had a weak challenger, but don't you feel he's he's in a worse spot than Becky is? I mean, he's I don't know. I I, I I think it's hard to gauge. I okay. think they've, I think they've both been hurt, though, for sure. I think you make an argument either way. Go ahead, Jeff. So, Kyle, would you not be like if him and Brock Lesnar actually have a competitive 15-minute match at SummerSlam and, and he wins back the title, I mean, you're still down on him? I got to say, I don't think that's the right call. And you're talking and you and you just asked a person who, who who's just vomits at the thought of a, an extended Brock Lesnar title reign. I don't think it's the right call. And I, I can't believe – I mean – Again, the booking has hurt him. And remember, as far as the Corbin thing goes that Justin brought up, when he his first feud was AJ Styles, and they worked, and it's he still seemed fine then. But it, it really was I Justin that it was. It's not just Corbin. You're right. The Lesnar winning the Money in the Bank just sort of put this cloud of dread over Rollins. 
you know, I think maybe some people are like, yeah, maybe he'll cash it on Kofi. But, you know, there wasn't any real interaction between Brock and Kofi. So you always kind of figured it would be on Seth and everyone's like just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And, you know, Ryan, we talked about it in our Extreme Rules wrap up. I don't think they did a very good job at putting sympathy on Seth Rollins when he lost the title. Mm -hmm. We talked about the execution of that. Um, I think it could have been done better. Um, his recent behavior on Twitter is not him no favors. Let's not sugarcoat that one iota. Okay. Really? Do people care about that? I don't think that's hurt. Uh, yeah. I, oh, I think it's a pretty on. small so, okay, th of the audience. There are, yeah. there are fans in the arena who are now not going to, what, cheer him because of Twitter? I, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I think with the, the people who are on Twitter and remember the casual audience is small. The people who are on Twitter. I mean, man, it hasn't done him any favors to me. Like when we talked about it, I think it was actually off air. So only Ryan got to hear it last week, but the whole thing, it's like, Oh, you know, uh, it was in print. I mean, he's giving interviews when he, when he, he's like, Oh, you know, uh, I, I guess I can understand these fans. You know, they all think Becky's kind of cute. Now I'm dating her. So I guess, yeah, they're probably pretty jealous of me. Come on, dude. Yeah, I mean his his comments and in interviews with that and the AEW stuff and the Will Ospreay feud, they haven't been good. I I don't know if that's helping. Like I don't know that that's really hurting him that much in front of the live crowds, but it hasn't been good. <laughs> just he, I mean, compared to, I mean, again, you know, everyone wants to just shit on John Cena and Roman Reigns as WWE spokesperson. They are miles ahead of what Seth Rollins is trying to do. So he's trying to be like the stand-up company guy, but yeah, it's not he's, working. He's failing badly. Yeah. And, and, and here's where I take this discussion in a direction that you don't want to hear for your fellow Iowa. Is this guy just a poor man, Shawn Michaels? <laughs> because, I will, hold on, I brought this up. That Remember when we had our big Shawn and Brett debate? Yeah. Was that a, it was a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago? Right? When, when I talked yeah, about, yeah. you know, all these guys in the company, they always talk about, oh, my dream match is Shawn Michaels. And, like, to me, Seth is, like, he really, first of all, the temperament on Twitter is what got me thinking about this. Because Shawn, when he won the title, what happened? He got real insecure and real unlikable in that role. Yeah, but Seth has had long title reigns in the past as a heel. but Yeah, but here, here's the thing. So here's the conversation I had with the buddy. Seth like Sean has a baby face move set where it's very much get my shit in. I'm going to make sure everyone knows how good I am, but his promos, he, he has this habit and he did get over it for a while for most of last year, which is why he got over as a baby face. So, but he comes off as this kind of whiny heel. Part of, part of that. I think he just kind of has a nasally whiny yeah, voice. I know, but it's just, but it's, it's very real. And I just think like, to me, Look, and it's it's not a surprise because I mean, look who's in NXT. But he's just—I don't know—I I just view him as kind of a poor man, Shawn Michaels, where he's not. And part of it is some of the same stuff we talk about with Roman. He's not booked sympathetically as a babyface. Like a buddy of mine was like, you know, he actually said the same guy I talked with that he likes Becky less because he feels like Seth Rollins is kind of a dick. And he's like, why would you date this guy? <laughs> and of course, maybe that plays in the So stuff. he should well, be a heel then. I don't know because I think the problem is he didn't wrestle like a heel. So he's, you know, it's funny with Seth. There are people who believe he's like this, like, 
you know, one of the elite workers in the industry. But there's a lot of people that I know that I follow on Twitter.com that are, that are not like really odd on this guy. And it's not all his fault, but I'm saying, you know, again, I, I just think that he has some flaws. That I, I bet they were singing a different tune about him, you know, like his his work from like a year ago, especially like going into WrestleMania 34 and after that. I mean, yes, he, he was on fire. Yes, yes, that was his like. And you know what else didn't help him too? Again, let's go to the booking. The whole freaking thing with delaying the coronation of Roman beating Brock that hurt Seth because Seth was at his he was hotter around. You know, like Justin pointed out, around WrestleMania 34, but then like going into SummerSlam too. But he couldn't be elevated into that world title scene because we were waiting for Roman to beat Brock. And that did him no favors either. But yeah, I just think it's a lot of things. But the bottom line is, it is, it is real, the fall here. And I would not, as much as the idea of long-term Brock Lesnar as champion, any, you know, and any length of, of run for him, makes me want to puke i wouldn't put the title back on seth at SummerSlam. couldn't you look at it as a if you're if we're so down on him as like a uh a rehab for seth rollins to get a strong win over brock oh yeah i mean i could understand that but i just it, it's not a great story like we you know we bitched about it on the extreme rules show like what's the payoff here oh another chase of brock like he doesn't i mean we've seen this before when brock Return when Brock loses. I mean, this guy makes you know freaking nineteen nineties Hulk Hogan look magnanimous for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what were those jobs that he did? I mean, that was terrible. Yeah. After all that time, what he did with Roman last year at SummerSlam, that was horrid. And it, it was you know it was laid out better with Seth at Mania, but you know it was still kind of like a rush job almost. Yeah, I think. I think in regards to Seth, I'd have to give it an incomplete at this point. I'm I'm not sure. I think both of you hit it on the head with the booking. I do think the booking is the number one problem, and then there's other underlying things like the like the pairing with Becky, which I guess is is back to booking. But I'm I'm talking more about uh, his feuds, um, the Twitter stuff, and just how he's carried himself. But I can't really. Although I think the title run has underperformed, I can't put all of it on him when they booked the guy in a consecutive month storyline with Baron Corbin, who honest to God, like I'm with you guys. I think he's a decent worker. He's not a world title worker though. And like we, you guys have said like, Kyle, you say Finn Balor ceiling intercontinental champion that that's Baron Corbin's ceiling too. He should not be in a multiple month storyline with the Monday night raw universal champion. So that hurts him. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd have to give him an incomplete. And then, like you said, with, with the Brock thing hanging over his head with the money in the bank and every week, is he going to cash in? Is he going to cash in? He just hasn't really had a chance to break out. I don't think so. He's a guy who you could say this about a large portion of the WWE roster. He's just at his best when he's having good matches and the WWE schedule, they just, it doesn't allow for you just to like have these great matches week in, week out. It seems, you know, mm-hmm. like the Baron Corbin thing was just bad idea all around. Yes. You know, he needed more things like the AJ styles feud where it was like, and again, I don't think, I, I don't think 
that would have necessarily guaranteed he would have become some all-time great champion. And like you said, he'd been champion before. I was not enamored with his heel run as champion either. It was okay, but it had its flaws as well. Um, again, part of the issue was he was like kind of like a puppet of Triple H, if you remember that storyline. Yeah. So on the authority, like he wasn't really this, he, he was like the chosen one of Triple H, mm-hmm. not really like the transcendent star. Um, so I don't know. I, I just, I, I just, I, it, it's all of the above, I think is the correct answer. Yeah. All right. Well, we were talking about his Twitter usage a second ago. I want to shift gears here and talk this about. Is, this is why you're back for segues like this. <laughs> talk about the uh, the one of the people he's been feuding with on Twitter, and that's Will Ospreay, and talk about the New Japan G1. Now, I know you've been watching this, Kyle. Just I'm not sure much of it you've seen, but we, we did want to talk a little bit about what's been going on with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, I had a chance earlier today to kind of catch up on some of this. Now, I haven't seen every match in the G1. I don't know how much you've watched, Kyle. Nor should um, you. Nor no, you it's a lot no. of wrestling. But no. I've been watching the big matches. Yes. I mean, imagine, you know, you know, we, we talk about how many hours there are in the day. Imagine what? I mean, God bless you if you do, I guess. But, I mean, imagine watching every match in the G1. Yeah. It's silly. I mean, God bless. I mean, like I said, God bless you if you do and you enjoy. I mean, I'm not here to tell you what to do with your time, folks, but I just think that, you know, there's no reason for that. But there's been a lot of great matches, and God bless the G1 right now, because it is the best stuff going around. Yeah. So um, as far as the best match of the G1 goes, and I wanted to I wanted to pull up the G1 standings too. I know uh Fightful has those. I'm gonna pull that up right now. Um, but you know, I saw I saw Will and Okada several days ago and really, really liked that match. I had not seen um, the Ishii Moxley match until today uh, when I saw your show notes, Kyle. So I thought I I definitely got to watch this. Um, And then I also watched Will Ospreay and Kota Ibushi today. So those three right there, I think, are probably the best three matches of the G1 so far. Would you concur, Kyle? Yes. Um, And out of those three... Uh, I liked Kota Ibushi and Will Ospreay the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And uh, before I saw that match, I liked Will Ospreay and Okada the most. Now, I did really like the Moxley-Ishii match, but it wasn't on the level of the two Will Ospreay matches to me. Now, tell me, I like I said, I liked it. It was a good brawl. You don't really see that in New Japan too much, like where they brawled through the crowd and stuff. Give me, um, give me difference in 2019. Pump different into my veins. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so tell me what you like so much about that match kyle while i look at these standings it was a great ball and I, dude i've said this i think on the program before and if i haven't god bless it i'm gonna say it right now i like ishii so much more than okada really i mean i like them both but i wouldn't say that well i did and i would <laughs> i love ishii you know i love how like moxley has kind of taken upon himself to be like this generation's great foreign brawler in new japan i really i really do uh, to me that was it's close i don't think it's a blow away i all of the matches that these top three i would put in the four and a quarter four and a half star range so that's pretty tightly bunched right mm-hmm. um i think some of osprey's other matches were, were good too I, I you know he's he's i all four of his matches in the tournament have been four stars or better um with him and okada this is a weird compliment to pay a match i think the 
thing I liked the most about that match, and again, we've talked about this before, um, how this is kind of a lost art in 2019. It made me want to see another match between them because I feel the crowd really wants to see Osprey beat him. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like they're really setting setting that up to happen down the line when I don't know, but um, you know, that I feel they have a better match in them, which is why I would not rank it number one. Um, and Osprey Bushi, I, I think was, was obviously very good too, but no, Moxley Ishii is my choice right now. By yeah. I mean, if they're good, if they're going to do Osprey and uh, Okada again at Wrestle Kingdom, then uh, Osprey has to make up some ground because he's yes. one in three, which I don't have any problem with despite him being the best wrestler in the world right now, because he has had the injury. You know, they have that storyline. He had to miss a show back, what, a little over a week ago. And and they've talked about that in the matches um, mm-hmm. since. So they have the built-in reason why he's struggling a little bit. Um, but yeah, he would have to go on a little bit of a, a winning streak to come out and uh, get to the G1 finals. But it's kind of interesting right now that of the, of the three in the lead with eight points, so they're 4-0, each are two points from winning, uh, you've got two ex-WWE guys with Moxley and Kenta former Hideo Autonomy, and then Okada. So those are your three at 4-0 as we record right now. Yeah, I think Kenta being 4-0 is a little surprised, but they wanted, I think, to rehab the right word. Mm, yeah, maybe. I mean, his WWE, like, it wasn't bad, but he was hurt so much yeah. that he never Re- really got going. Reestablish the shine, I suppose. Um, you know, Mox and Okada being 4-0 is, is not a surprise. So, yeah, I think the, the big story, though, is Osprey being 1-3 and, and what exactly are they going to do with that? You would expect him to go on a run. Um, but even if he wins out, I mean, is he going to have enough points? I, I don't know. Probably not. How many matches do they have total? I don't know. I was just thinking of that, and I feel terrible because I don't have that answer off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Okay. But, you know, it, it's... By the way, Justin and I talked last week about announcing in 2019 wrestling and how very, a lot of it stinks. Um, I think Kevin Kelly, all the matches I've watched in the G1, has just been doing an absolutely exemplary job. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad that they have the English announcing on every show now. And I know that was like heresy to say a couple years ago and... The English-speaking people were just... I love watching it with Japanese announcing the emotion so much better. And I, I, I do get that. And I did watch quite a few New Japan shows with the Japanese announcing. But to have the English announcing to tell you the whole backstory and everything, I, it's it's a better experience for me. I don't know how you feel about that, Kyle. But uh, I, I, I much prefer... And Kevin Kelly has done a good job. Yeah, I can go both ways. I mean, obviously, growing up, you know, you didn't have that. <laughs> um luxury of mm-hmm. English commentary and I was fine with it. You know, I was always kind of but like because the uh God bless me, I can't think of the name now it's escaping me. But the, the, there would be like that excitement oh! like it would get you really into it. But yeah. uh, no I mean I, I just think that it's refreshing to hear quality comments. Like because commentary is so bad I think across much of pro wrestling in 2019 it's refreshing to hear commentary that adds to a match. Yeah. Well, check out these matches, especially those three. Yeah, a lot of people noted uh, this week on uh, with SmackDown that uh, Corey Graves wasn't exactly missed. (laughs) Again, maybe probably not his fault because, again, Justin, I brought this up on last week's show. You can check the archives, folks. 
when they have him going in banter mode, when they're producing him like that, it, no one wins. Yeah. Overproduced is a theme there in the uh, Vince McMahon world. Um, all right. So check out the G1. Check out Osprey Okada. Check out um, Osprey Ibushi. And then the John Moxley Tamihiro Ishii match, which is also very good. Probably the top three of the tournament. Have you seen the uh, the Evil Sonata match, Kyle? No, I actually didn't. Okay, I had a friend raving about that one too. Oh. I have to check that one out still. Okay, um, do you want to go to deep dive of the week, or do you want to hit this final item quick? Let's just hit it real quick. I just I think it's an okay. interesting question. You got? Did you guys see this tweet before? Or I saw I, it. Yeah, I saw it. But you can you can describe it. Yes, the NXT debut. Yes. So. You know, I actually watched this guy play in college, and I feel terrible because I think I'm going to butcher his last name. South Florida, right? Yeah. I remember I was just like, dude, this is a freaking big fella, man. But seven foot three, Jordan Amagbin, I believe. Uh, Nigerian born, former college basketball player, like you said, from USF, uh, Ryan, uh, made his debut at an NXT house show. And, you know, as the tweet from Sports Illustrated so eloquently put it, man, he does look like a monster, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. And it got me to think, okay, provided this guy has any charisma and can be taught, isn't wrestling in 2019 missing a big guy? And what got me to thinking about this was Jim Cornette's review of Fight for the Fallen, which I recommend everyone listen to. You know, he really, and he kind of felt bad about it. And sometimes you have to take Jim's criticism with a grain of salt. He obviously has it in for Joey Janela. He has it in for Kenny Omega. But I think, Bucks, a lot of, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of criticism is constructive from him um, on that. And he was talking about, like, Kip Sabian and how, like, you know, I bring this up with Dolph all the time. Just so replaceable. Like, there are these guys, it's just like, you know, there's three clones of them, you know, sometimes in the same promotion. And it used to be there was too many big guys, right? Growing up, we were all like, give us athletic guys, please give us someone who can, you know, have who can actually go out there and not be gassed in five minutes. Well, now it's like a complete 180, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody like just wants to wrestle forever. And there's like no quality big men. I, I just look at this thing, and again, it may the guy may just completely flame out and be a nothing. Just got me to thinking, God, if if they could somehow keep him keep first of all, keep him hidden from Vince for a while. <laughs> And, and teach him, you know, how to be a great wrestling big man. Whew. We could use something like that. I mean, Braun Strowman, Drew McIntyre, it's 50-50 booking. You know, no matter what you do with the big guy, they're going to come up to the main roster and lose to Roman Reigns in the <laughs> second month. Um, I, You know what we really need is we need... Uh, Taco Fall to flame out in the NBA, so we can come to NXT. <laughs> you know what? Great reference, and that's who I was thinking of in the tournament was Taco Fall. You're right because he played at UCF. Oh yeah, yep. Well, yeah, it's different. It's something. You know, he's Braun like a legit over. seven foot three, yeah. so he he's a big dude. As long as when they bring him up, they don't put a bodysuit on him with drawn on body hair. And drawn on muscles, maybe he'll be all right. Well, how they have Stokely Hathaway managing him too. Yeah. <laughs> all right. 
With that being said, it is time. We've got an anniversary this week, so it's time, Kyle, for your I Love This Sport Deep Dive of the Week. Take us back to 1989. Not, not going too deep, uh, so you won't have to dive too far this week, but it's a match that I hope many of you have already seen, but if not, you should have and go watch it right now. 30 years ago yesterday, Ric Flair, Terry Funk, main event of the Great American Bash, 1989. Many consider that the best wrestling pay-per-view of all time um that's up for debate and my god is a grudge match like this you talk about missing in 2019 wrestling you don't get them you don't get too many like this today (laughs) justin when was the last time you saw this match uh about 15 minutes (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And actually, that that led me to watch the main event of the following pay per view. So there you go. It's been a quiet my, episode for me. I probably haven't seen this match in at least ten years, so I'm going to be rewatching it again. But uh, yeah, it, it is a classic. It's a great match. I mean, obviously, built off the tremendous angle at the end of Wrestle War, or not the end. It was actually the middle of the show, and when uh, the Flair Steamboat match, it did not uh, close the show when Terry Funk came back and. Um, Pile drove Ric Flair on the table, and, and yeah, and then they back when table the, spots were rare. Yes, yes, that was like that was like the all time coolest thing I remember. Like back, I was like, holy god, like that's like the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, you know, I had not seen Randy Savage's pile driver Ricky Morton yet at that point in my life um, on the table. Uh, but yeah, God, it's such good stuff. Like the, the the visceral hatred that they get over of the feud is just so good. And then they, they top themselves later in the year at the clash. Yeah. Clash nine. So if you guys check that out, let us know your thoughts on the match. would love to read them on the air. It's been a while since we've got a listener email. So shoot us a note at topropenation at gmail.com. As always on Twitter, we're on Instagram, Facebook, all those places. Uh, I haven't mentioned this yet, but uh, if you're watching on Patreon and you're, you're seeing the exclusive video feed, you know what I'm talking about. Kyle, Damn fine looking t-shirt you've been wearing during this broadcast. It's got the black and red Top Rope Nation logo shirt available at ProWrestlingTees.com. If you head on over to TopRopeNation.com, you can find the links to uh, our Pro Wrestling Tees store as well as our Spreadshirt store, which has some different designs um, as well. And uh, for those of you that are on the $5 tier on Patreon that joined in June, like I said at the top of the broadcast, You've probably got our brand new shirt from Pro Wrestling Tees. uh, And you too, Kyle. I sent you one in the mail coming on Friday. So if you're listening on Friday, check your mail. It's the uh, black and gold Top Rope Nation established in 2016. I love the sport t-shirt. That's also available at ProWrestlingTees.com. You can get it there. And like I said, Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Get your membership in and have a chance to win that uh, Randy Savage San Diego Comic-Con figure which is incredibly hard to find it's sold out you're not going to be able to get it anywhere else if you don't already have it uh without paying a pretty penny but you can get it free of charge if you win the live drawing we're going to do in august on our patreon page all right call that our lethal lottery yes we should we should i mean i could throw the (laughs) song on let's do it uh but yeah i will do the drawing live on youtube i'll stream it on the patreon page and uh You'll have an entry. I mean, it's not like we have hundreds of patrons. We do have a dedicated following on Patreon now. And but, we love uh, every single one of you. Hell yeah. But, uh, you know, it's if you join up, if you want the figure, you're going to have a decent chance of winning. So uh, get that membership in. 
And you can find all the details at patreon.com slash top rope nation. Uh, guys. And we're going to also, by the way, we have about a week. We're going to have to record our uh, top rope classic episode. We're gonna Super Brawl 2. Yeah. We're going to talk about that off air here after well, we finish. But that's rope, coming up. Speaking of top rope classic, why am I getting texts about Shaska Watley while I'm recording this show? <laughs> <laughs> that's actually happening. Super Brawl 2 has got to be our most anticipated uh top rope nation classic show of all time because we talked about it for months all the other top rope nation classics you can find they tend to have a summer theme and as we come up on SummerSlam season you can check out the SummerSlam 97 the SummerSlam 91 the bash at the beach 96 the retro reviews we did on top rope nation classics only available on patreon so check that out i know what i'm going to try to force you guys to do for august all right i thought about it earlier today I actually had a suggestion too from one of our patrons oh. um, for a for a show for August. I'll tell you guys off air, but uh, well, we are fan friendly fan friendly telecast. So yes, we we always take suggestions on the Top Rope Nation Classic. By the way, if we don't do this suggestion, um, blame me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, guys, it has been great to be back in the host chair this week. Like I said, it was super weird not being here last week, but you guys did an excellent job. But uh, always a pleasure to talk pro wrestling with you guys, Justin and Kyle. So uh, any parting words, guys? I think you're one of the finest human beings ever walked the face of the earth. <laughs> I mean, now that I have the blue check mark, yeah, I know. And, and not only that, you're verified as one of the finest human beings to walk the face of the <laughs> Given this podcast credibility, there it is. Justin Joint, I think I'm going to be seeing you this weekend as we partake in the uh, George Tragos Luthez Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame here in Iowa. I did want to say, too, guys, if uh, if you're in Iowa for the Hall of Fame, there's always a pretty big crowd every year. You want to meet up with Justin and and uh, Justin and myself. Kyle will not be there this year, but maybe in the future. Shoot us a message on Twitter. Let us know if you're there, and I uh, would love to meet up and chat at one of the shows this weekend. So, Justin, I'm going to be seeing you this weekend, I presume? Yeah, I hope so, man. All right. Sounds good. So, uh, i got to throw the uh, thank you out again to the producers of the show. Derek, Kyle, Tim, Forrest, Sean, Gabe, Carlo, and Liam. Thank you for your support of Top Rope Nation. And all you guys listening everywhere, thanks for the support. You can check us out next week. And in the meantime, check out the archive on all of your podcasting platforms. See you guys next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 